0: You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings and more insights.
1: Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast, and I joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. And Nigel, I do believe that this will be the first Solar Insiders podcast broadcast in Australia without a coalition federal government.
2: Oh, ain't that the truth? It was. Um, <laughs> it's, I, a first. I, it's. It certainly is. Actually, that's that's. That's a big. There's a bunch of memes that I've been sharing, that are probably too rude uh, to talk about. About how excited I was, and some of the, they weren't my memes. They were someone else's memes. Uh, farewelling some of the um, some of the the candidates, uh, the previous ministers. They're no longer ministers.
1: Yeah. Well, look. It's it's and look. It's it sad that um you know we're going to lose at least two listeners you know angus taylor and um, tim wilson um we'll probably have no more cause to sort of tune into our regular fortnightly contrast broadcast because i'm sure that both of them were very very avid listeners um um because we spoke so highly of them and um <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know clive's mate clive's mate he's gone he's nothing you know, oh, that's right. yeah. yeah, no, I'm not too sure. I'm not
1: too sure whether um, he actually listened to us. Um, but just look, what a relief for the industry. I mean, I don't know whether anyone's particularly euphoric about this election result. I mean, in the sense, I mean, I just think this, it's the sense of relief. Or I think it's sort of uh, John Grimes from the Smart Energy Council sent out an email the other day. Finally, we're wiping away the t- years of hostility and inaction, he says. And um, yeah, yeah. I think that's mm. probably. Um, uh, I've written many times that um, you know this government was just basically one giant policy bollard when it came to climate and energy and um, uh, we kind of wondered how we'd get out of it and uh... I've actually reminded of an old story about. Um, it's probably fi- slightly fictional, or maybe a little sort of bit wound up. It was about um, you know in the old days when the big newspapers used to, over, over the summer periods, write these really exciting sort of you know day by day sort of thrillers and things like that. And um, apparently, it was one wonderfully successful one that was written by, by the Times. You know, this is going back many many years. But the author, of course, hadn't quite finished the last episode and he went down to the pub and he was completely pissed. And they were just nearing deadline and they finally found him and dragged him out of the pub and sat down in front of the typewriter just wondering how the hell in that state he could possibly find an end to this incredibly complex and dire situation that his main characters um, had got themselves in. And then he just sort of sat there with his typewriter and he sort of typed out. And then in a single bound, he was set free. And that
2: was it. <laughs> I, kind of feel, I, kind of, I kind of feel it's the same for us. <laughs> it is a little. It is a little. And, and, and you know, I mean, I, I have to admit, you know, my dad taught me this. Good on your dad. I know dad always listens. Uh, but my dad always taught me, you know, make sure you listen to the other side of the argument. Try and put yourself in the other person's shoes. And so, you know, I've been watching Fox News and... Um, it was intriguing actually watching them because this week uh, we've got to get a new T-shirt range made because this week, um, you know, uh, I, I, I guess the um, uh, the people that we jointly represent uh, on this podcast so often in trying to, you know, solve climate issues and, and, and progress renewable energy were referred to as two terms that one I'd heard of before, but one I'd never heard of before, bedwetters. <laughs> bedwetters was, is always a golden oldie. We're the bedwetters, apparently. Yes. Uh, but the, the other one that I heard that was a the absolute uh, clangor um, uh, from, uh, you know, Matt Canavan, who has somehow held on, uh, surrender monkeys. Surrender we're monkeys. <laughs> we're surrender monkeys.
1: Apparently. Bedwetting surrender monkeys. No, Bed-wet- that we're bedwetting woke su- surrender
2: monkeys. That's right. That, that's what I want on a T-shirt. <sighs> bedwetting woke surrender money monkey. Yeah, monkeys. Yeah, monkeys. Okay, it's just it's bewildering to me. Um, but um, you know, look, you know, well, I know elections. Yeah, you know, politics are kind of interesting. But you know, I must admit, I have never, never actually stayed up late enough to try and watch all the speeches and all the things come through as I did this one. This one was a, this one was a fascinating election, and uh, it kept me up late uh, uh, on the couch, going, "Oh, this is kind of interesting."
1: Well, it's going to be really interesting going forward to seeing to what extent Um, we sort of move away from these sort of bipartisan or these partisan politics and we have like a new dynamic now that we've got this sort of 15-strong or roughly 15-strong crossbench. It may be that Labor sneaks over the line with a majority, which is a bit of a shame in a way because it'll just be much more fun if they have to negotiate with a crossbench. But even so, the fact that there's that many crossbenches there and the fact that the Greens have got this major block in the Senate of 12, plus they've got David Pocock there, um, the former Wallaby captain, um, who's a climate independent from the ACT, where he's knocked over the, the quite right-wing Zed, or whatever his name is, um, is um, make, makes it very interesting. So how that translates mm-hmm. into interesting and constructive and useful climate and energy policy um, remains to be seen. But I've got to say, I think it looks promising.
2: Yeah, well, look, there was no, there, it, I, you know, honestly, when you look back at the negotiation and the argy-bargy that had to take place within the coalition between the Liberals and the Nationals, you know, effectively, and I heard this on the radio today, listening to an interview with Keith Pitt, uh, who was describing the Nationals as a kind of a loose coalition of very independent minded uh, MPs uh, and he was defending some of his colleagues from making statements that may have allegedly lost them elect the election and and he and he's described how you know the national party was all about having all this independence and all these independent people from different representing different regions and how the the coalition always managed to make that work well you know what now it's just parliament in a different form, and um, you know, there's a uh, I do feel optimistic, um, that you know, uh, the Labour Party and the independents and the Greens are, 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 are going in open mindedly, willing to negotiate, willing to accept that there's going to be differences in opinion and, and that it won't be easy, but for goodness sake, it's not going to be that much different to the coalition. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's in, see, some let's see. In, um, ways, in some ways, in other ways, it's going to be very different. Let's just be well, clear about that. But but the same challenges, right, with negotiation.
1: Well, yeah, but we can have sensible discussions rather than just sort of um, stupid ones. Um, where we don't actually sort of discuss anything, and um, you know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, look, I think we better stop. Start start, start talking about solar pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But um. um Look, I don't actually have much on my list, but you got a lot on your list today, Nigel. What's um, what's happening?
2: Well, I thought interesting little um fact, uh, just in terms of big stories, and you know, having come out of uh, two events recently, uh, um, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, you know, it's highlighted to me that just, you know, it's. It's still kind of raining. It was raining today, it was raining yesterday. In fact, eight out of the ten wettest places in Australia are in New South Wales. There's no wonder some of the solar companies that I've been chatting to are finding things really tough and going, why why are consumers not buying? And you know we talked about this a few episodes ago where you know the consumer sentiment has been quite flat and challenging and yeah, you know, it's a consistent story. Um, well, lo and behold, turns out Yaris, a place uh, now west of Port Macquarie, recorded one hundred and twenty one days of rain by the 15th of may meaning they've only had 14 day uh, days of dry weather uh, since the year began and and so you know and there's multiple stories of that where you know there are sort of 70 80 90% of the working days this year so far have been rained out so it is an incredibly challenging on top of all the other challenges that the industry's got it is so damn wet um so you know that is really wreaking havoc on solar companies because of course you know climbing around on a roof in the rain is is not safe uh so it really limits the work that can be done and the statistics blew me away when i started seeing how many wet days they've actually been so you know um hang in there guys and girls um uh, can't rain forever
1: it's <laughs> not the impression we get up in the northern rivers at the moment. it is absolutely <laughs> it's just like it's just non stop it's just unbelievable my I just put my feet feet in the i live on top of the hill like on top of the hill i put a um put my foot in the grass and just mud comes through yeah and yeah. um yeah, so we're actually down in canberra at the moment, but we saw we we got an alert from the security camera the other day, and this clown from next door is just driven over our grass and he gets himself bogged, and he's just sort of sitting there just you know spinning his wheels, digging up our grass. Um, in the front lawn. In the front lawn, yeah, though. No, he's that sort of neighbor. Yeah. Um, oh <laughs> That's not cool at all. That's not cool. That's not cool. You're going, well, can't you just stay in the driveway? I mean, you know, anyway, but um,
2: yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Deep uh, in, in In other. <laughs> Another good news, uh, speaking of people and chatting with lots of in stores about what 's going on, uh, I was down in Ballarat last week, which was um, horribly cold but dry um, and uh, for another Seer event, I missed the other seers i missed I still went to New South Wales, but I missed Brisbane and I missed Townsville um, but the Victorian um, branch of Seer, they 're sort of an independent branch, but um, they put on a terrific show. Um, had a record crowd and almost 140 people. Um, and a really, really good little show. Lots of technical stuff. It was over two days. Um, lots of technical issues for installers to grapple with because there were uh, changes that have just come into play around the standards that's keeping everyone busy, some of them nonsensical, some of them a bit more practical, but that, that was a big topic of conversation. There were representatives from Solar Victoria there and, of course, all the manufacturers and suppliers and everyone else. So really, really, really fascinating two-day event. And, um, you yeah, know, big shout-out to the to Jared and the team down at Solar Victoria for... Yeah, imagine to pull 140 people to Ballarat, um, and um, you know, great show was had by all, and and not too many people got COVID. Certainly, a few did. So it's it's still out there, it's still floating around, and we, you know, a couple of our staff are off crook, but uh, oh, you know, we soldier yeah. on.
1: What's the what's the what's the what's the running total for the um, Smarter Energy conference?
2: Uh, do we do we have one there? Do we have we got a of people who took COVID away? Yes. Oh, I'd say 20. That I know of, I oh, like okay. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's out there. Uh, luckily, most cases that I'm hearing about have been relatively mild. Um, you know, everyone gets knocked around by it, and um, but um, no, no serious consequences thus far, which is good news.
1: That's good news. It's good news. Yeah.
2: What else have we got on the agenda, Nigel?
1: I'm not contributing much at all this time, but something's happening in South Australia. Got kicking, kicking the can down the road. It says here. You better tell us why.
2: Um, I'm going to uh, just quietly refer you to the correct w- worksheet, uh, which is 2505, Charles. <laughs> you're <looking laughs> the wrong date there. But uh, while you're that's finding a, the right a, worksheet.
1: That, that's actually quite funny because I sort of clicked on it. And, it's, and, the, and the one below that is solar is now the cheapest electricity in history. in
2: report says, and that's from 2020. And I thought, geez, Nigel's out of date, isn't he? Yeah, no, you just got to scroll across to the left, my friend, and get to the 25th of the 5th. (laughs) While you're doing that... I'll uh, mention something that's um, that's cool that we've been playing around with at Solar Analytics, actually, because, you know, of course, collecting consumption data can, requires a consumption meter. Uh, and there are a lot of products out there that can do that. We've got one. Most of the inverter manufacturers have got one. And that's all well and good. And in certain applications, they're required. In certain applications, they're the best solution. But there are some applications where that just represents an additional cost. And, you know, that can be sort of two three four hundred bucks before you know it to just get that consumption data and i I can i can remember thinking for years and years and years one day the day will come when we can just get that data out of the retail meter which is already sitting there it's already measuring everything and um you know we can use that data and we can all save ourselves the time and the cost of installing a a um a sort of uh, additional consumption meter seems like a terrible waste Lo and behold, we are approaching that day and um, we're actually pilot testing a solution now where we pull the solar production data out of the inverter via API Um, like we do in our inverter-integrated stuff. But instead of adding a consumption meter from an inverter manufacturer or our hardware, we actually pull the consumption data straight out of the retail meter. Now, that has some pros and some cons, but the really nice thing about it is that it means you don't have to install an extra device. And this has been coming for a long, long time, and there are still some challenges with getting access to that data, and it's not agnostic, and it's not... Uh, you know available it doesn't have all the advantages that we can with high resolution you know meters that that are installed afterwards but we're doing some pilot testing right now it's looking really promising those rules and regulations are changing they start in november and they roll out over the coming years with more and more retailers um, uh, mandating access to that data and um, so that's kind of exciting because you know in short, if we can get that consumption data from a retail meter and save the consumer 400 bucks off the cost of a solar system, that's good news. It is indeed. Nigel, while I just try
1: and find the current run sheet, I'm going to um, pause for a message from one of our sponsors.
0: Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics. From just $40 a year, Solar Analytics can help solar owners save an extra $400 by recommending the Ideal Energy Plan. There's no additional hardware required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.
1: And, of course, we'd like to thank um, all our sponsors um, who support the Solar Insiders podcast, uh, Solar Analytics, Carnegie and Sunwiz, for your ongoing support. Nigel, what have you been um, doing on great solar business last week and what's coming up?
2: Yeah. Mm. Um... It seemed totally appropriate, actually, uh, given that the trade show season has kicked off uh, that I interview someone about making the most out of trade shows. And that's exactly what I did. So I had a, I had a really interesting yarn, actually, with Grant Berendorf from AC Solar Warehouse, um, who's been around the traps forever and ever and ever. And he actually came over and had a go at me about some of the things that we were doing on our Flash new booth. And, and we got into this kind of really good a uh, healthy scientific debate about how to get the most out of a out of a booth and how to make the most out of trade shows and there, there's actually a bit of science that you can apply and there are different goals and that you can try and achieve and all that so we had a really really good chat about that um my next guest I'm keeping up my sleeve because uh to be quite honest I'm juggling a few availability so I'm not sure who it's going to be yet Giles well, but um no that's okay yeah we we'll look look forward to it um
1: Point out too that um, we've got uh, the other podcast, we've got the Driven podcast, had a really interesting chat actually um, with Lex Forsyth from uh, Janus um, Electric, who are doing these sort of um, refurbished electric trucks, these swappable batteries. That's actually a fascinating story um, about um, electric trucks, Australian technology. Guy used to be a driver himself. Um, had a set of um, nice. had, had a network of diesel refuelling stations, and his daughter said to him one day, "Saying, Dad, I don't like this diesel. It's um, bad for the environment. It's bad for our health." So he sat down and thought about it, and came up with this idea, and was refined it over the last couple of years, and they're getting absolutely gangbusters. And I've had a ride. I don't, I don't have a trucker's license, but I had a ride in one of them, and um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. Have you got a trucker's license? Oh, and else
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, forklifts forklift. years ago, but no, uh, no, no, no uh. chuckle, no chuckle. There was a whole story. I, I, had, I had to bump in a Disney on Ice show when I was young, and they went, "You can drive a forklift, can't?" You? And I went, "Yeah, sure." Drove the forklift, and then I went, oh, I better go get a licence. I got one got a licence after that. You worked from Disney. You um, worked from, speaking... now,
1: hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to pause here. You worked on Disney on ice. One of my first ever jobs, apart from being yeah. a local milkman, was working with the Moscow Circus on ice. So, God, it's kind of like, you know. No. Yes.
2: Six degrees of separation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah we're, we're really off track. But um, I'm going to bring you back because you don't even know this, but I've got a scoop oh. for you. I have an interview lined up. Uh, with the CEO, I believe, uh, of a Finnish company who makes a game-changing electric vehicle charger, and I've I've mentioned these guys in the past, and I've been talking to the people in Finland, um, and I have lined up an interview with their CEO. So I'm going to have the, that uh, for you coming up in a in a few weeks. Cool uh, for the driven as well. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. A Finnish electric vehicle charger. That's great. Yep. yeah yep they're all about it they're all about now, it
1: look there's some funny things going on um ACCC, um is doing its second recall of the l g battery there's about there's about seven just mm. under seven thousand there's still six and a half thousand out there um People either don't know or can't be bothered um trading in their battery I mean, they get a free new one, don't they so um it should be okay i mean this um it's obviously just a lack of knowledge or awareness one hopes.
2: Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, this is an interesting one. Recalls are always interesting to me because how the manufacturer responds and, you know, how they, how much, how much help they offer, how much time they invest, all those kinds of things really show, you know, really show their true colors. And I have to hand it, although it's obviously very inconvenient and, Um, potentially, you know, annoying and, you know, expensive and all those other kinds of things for consumers and retailers who are caught up in this recall, I have to hand it to LG. They have persisted and persisted and persisted. They've done a lot of work. I actually jumped on the recall website the other day and was able to work my way through the process and could see very simple process to enter your, your battery serial number in and very quickly establish, are you affected or not? So they they've really worked hard. There's compensation for lost energy for consumers. Uh, I'm assuming there's compensation for retailers as well. So you know, full credit to to the parent company for actually, you know, firstly, you know, going working obviously uh, in collaboration with the A Triple C to make sure that this is front and center and getting the message out, not trying to hide it or anything like that. So you know, it it needs to be sorted out. Most of the ones at the moment that are affected seem to be um, bundles that were put together by all, either solar X or um, Opal storage. Um, there's a bunch of details. I won't go through them now, but you know, do go to the LG, just Google LG battery recall. You'll get to their site. You can put in the serial number. It is really important. The C notice, and I saw you published a great little story on it today. We're really highlighting it is, it is important um, uh, so you know, if you're a retailer, make sure you go back to those customers who you sold those LG early LG batteries to, or if you're a a consumer, um, Google it up and have a look and uh, and speak to your supplier. Mm, indeed.
1: And um, Nigel, a um a slightly less savoury story coming from the West about um, problems with one installer over there.
2: Yeah, and this is this is a, a, a I don't know if it. You know any consumer who who gets treated badly um, is a is a sad story for our industry. I can't work it out at the moment whether it's a big story or whether it's only one or two customers and that they happen to get the the news um, channels uh, um, to run a story on it. it I'm only able to detect two customers from all the news stories that I've read um, that couldn't contact the supplier um they are publicly listed, but I won't I won't mention their name now. But the the, the story was fairly typical. They paid deposits. Uh, and then found that they couldn't connect to the network because there were constraints on the network and there were delays and they were promised it was going to be fixed and it wasn't fixed and then they couldn't get into contact with them. And uh, lo and behold, their website suddenly vanished and their Facebook page vanished. And um, so they undertook legal action to try and get their deposits back, which um, uh, is is completely fair enough. And so they should. Uh, It's it's not good behaviour on the part of that solar retailer. Don't know the story behind it. I can see, interestingly, and I did some Googling around today and I can see that the director is listed uh, in, a, in a couple of different places and I can see that it shows an address in New South Wales, interestingly, not um, Western Australia now. So I, I don't quite know what's going on there, but, it's, um, but there was an update the other day to say that the two, consum- two consumers who were the subject of the story have now received their deposits back. And there was a statement from um, the solar company saying that uh, rapidly increasing equipment costs and worker shortages left it with no choice but to close its doors spokesman said they'd never set out to string people along so you know it may be a case if they've just got caught um, it does highlight the challenges in the solar industry right now and the need for a healthy margin so that in the event that things go wrong or you get these kinds of delays or you get weather or all these other kind of constraints you can't have it you can't survive with a marginal business you need to have some profit you need to to make sure that you can cater for these um, these difficult situations, or you will go bust. You'll get a bad name, and consumers will be left in the lurch. Quite right.
1: Man, I've got a couple little stories uh, I want to discuss with you. One, remember? Oh God, it was a couple of months Ew. back. But um, a couple of months back, that to mention Andrew Forrest and Fortescue buying into that Dutch company with thin film solar and stuff like that, and you going, "What? Ah, yes, yes. What the hell?" Yes. Well, it turns out that they're spending forty million dollars sort of expanding their film solar in, in, in the Netherlands. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know if they quite understand what they've got themselves into. But because um, all the people I talk to think thin film solar, well, no, not really. But um, anyway, but there you go. I just thought that was quite interesting that um, they're putting money into that. So um, they're
2: still they, they're still chasing up that tree. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes that will be really interesting cuz you know Twiggy's an interesting cat man I can't I can't wait to see you know what he delivers there's been a lot of talk and I really want to see what he delivers because he's finding these little niches in his you know in his world where there's applications we talked about the EV charging niche that he's that he's going to try and solve using the Williams uh, formula E tech and you know this this uh thin film is I reckon he's got a little niche somewhere that mm. someone's worked out that maybe some thin film and you only need 50, you know, 50 megawatts of capacity or whatever to fill up these various different pla- oh, He's got a niche somewhere. That's yeah. my guess. But it's going to be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, well, the
1: same thing's going to happen in electrolyzers. And if you just think back like a decade ago, or just over a decade ago, and all these big companies coming in, going, oh, this is new technology, solar, I really like this. And so you had people like Origin invested into Sliver. So that was like this idea about... You know, oh, I remember. S- I went to the launch. Oh, well, there you go. You were there. Um, <laughs> no silicon, silicon solar modules, but then it turned out the price of silicon fell to nothing. So what was the advantage of that? And um, I think they did $200 million on that particular uh, episode. So um, And lots of other people did money in other different technologies. You know, someone comes up with a really bright idea. Sounds great until that moment you find that it's just not... Commercial just can't compete against whatever else has been produced because somebody else has come up with an equally good or possibly better idea. So, I think I think yep. we're going to see that yep. with um, some of these hydrogen ones. Of course, it's impossible to tell which at this stage, which ones will work or which ones won't because um, uh, we're not actually doing the research or the you know got the expertise. Um, anyway, um, and what's the other solar story I had? Damn, I've just um, I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a second one there that had it on top of my mind and it's just gone, Nigel. It's um
2: gone. Yeah. Gone. Oh. Um well while you're um thinking about that, I'll jump to two fascinating stories on electric motorcycles um and battery news. Um lo and behold, um I don't want to get uh uh pick aside, uh, but there is a war going on over in the Ukraine and I was fascinated to see that Part of the uh, technology that the Ukraine is using to defend itself um, is electric motorcycles. They're actually using a a very heavy-duty, it's kind of like an electric mountain bike, but it's it's one of those crossovers between a mountain bike and an electric motorcycle. Uh, A little Ukrainian company, apparently, who've developed this, and there's some great tech coming out of that part of the world. I follow a couple of people who are developing some terrific little machines out of there. Um, They were pretty quick off the mark. They um, strapped a a rocket launcher on to these electric motorcycles. It'll carry two people on a rocket launcher. It'll blow a tank up, which has been pretty handy if you're in the Ukraine. Uh, So, um, yeah, there's a bunch bunch of guys hacking around Ukraine on electric motorcycles blowing tanks up, which is sort of sad. But Cool at the same time, we
1: advise listeners to this podcast not to try and replicate that fast uh, de- <laughs> technical development, at least for you, Nigel, and your electric Harley um, live. wire. But um, that sounds pretty amazing, actually. There's um, nothing, there's nothing like a war, I guess, to sort of um, concentrate the mind on some rapid technology um, um advances, um, which well, probably they, is one they... of the only few things that um, good things that come out of them because um. Um, the rest of the war is yeah, shit for so just the rest of
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right, and it's actually the, you could do a whole episode on military applications for electric vehicles. I tell you, it, it's it's mind blowing some of the stuff that is going on out there, which I. Won't even touch on. The other one that I might touch on while you continue to uh, dig through the annals of your mind oh, no, for that I found other it story. Oh, you found it! Go on then, Jump oh, in. No.
1: Well, look, it's not that exciting actually. No, but it was just interesting to see the Victorian government um, putting out a bit of a call uh, for feedback about voltage control on the grids, because um, one of the big issues, oh, yes. one of the big issues in the rollout of solar, and as every um, installer in Victoria will know, that they've been sort of limited to five kilowatts or something, maximum installations in some areas, or zero exports and things like that. And the, the whole blame has been, oh, because of voltage control and yet various solar bodies, including the APVI. And um, I think even your organisation has sort of pointed out, now, hang on, <laughs> voltage problems? That happens at night too it 's not just rooftop solar that's um, causing issues there's sort of you know inherent problems in Quite the grid. Right. Um, in the way it's been managed, in the way it's been built, in the way it's been run. But um, anyway, so look, I'm guessing it's going to be a, a, a bit of an advance um, that actually going out because a lot of people have suggested that the, there are smarter ways to manage um, voltage without sort of using sledgehammer um, measures on rooftop solar and things like that. So look, that's actually quite an important one because if they find a solution and uh, move everyone along a bit um, – then that will be good. I mean, we're forever getting press releases from the various distributed networks. They're saying, oh, aren't we great? Aren't we great? This is how much solar we've got in. I mean, basically, it sort of pales in comparison to what some of the people have done in other networks around the country, particularly in sort of South Australia, WA, Queensland and New South Wales. But um, Victoria is probably the most vibrant market at the moment, thanks to its Solar Homes program. So um, they just need to have this sorted so they don't have these sort of artificial constraints on uh, what's a perfectly decent technology.
2: Well, I'm going to drop a scoop on you right now because (laughs) there are other ways... Uh, They were um, presented by uh, one of the, it was AusNet Services, who gave a presentation at Sea of Ballarat last week. (laughs) And what they talked about was a pilot trial to deal with exactly this issue that is going on in Victoria right now, where they're using dynamic export control, which has been talked about in South Australia. There's been a pilot trial there as well. But one of the guys from OSnet Services said, look, you know, we've got these challenges with voltage control and particularly on networks that are, you know, really heavily, heavily penetrated with solar and blah, blah, blah. So here's some data. Here's a solar owner who we applied a really restrictive, I think it was a one or a two kilowatt limit for, from memory. Um, and, and it was that sledgehammer approaches. You're never going to be allowed to export more than one or two kilowatts from your solar system. And it showed the graph of the data prior to the changes and prior to them entering the trial. And then they said, well, then we did a test and we said, well, we'll lift that limit a little bit and we'll let dynamic export control go up to you know, it's like three or four kilowatts or something like that of peak. And so it'd come up in the morning, it'd max out and it'd sit there at four kilowatts. And of course, what this was doing was looking at how the network was able to take that power and could it accept it under certain circumstances rather than simply saying, no, you can only ever put one kilowatt into our network because that's the sledgehammer approach we've taken. And lo and behold, the third graph he had was, and here was a day when we could take all of the energy and here's a perfect solar graph coming out of the system, peaking at six or seven kilowatts. Where this consumer had needlessly been restricted to one or two kilowatts previously and using the technology that exists, using the, um, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the policy frameworks that are already developed for South Australia, um, showing that, you know, they were unnecessarily restricting this solar owner in Victoria. And once they applied dynamic export control with a little bit of technology, they could actually let this solar system deliver energy out into the network with no adverse effects. And in fact, beneficial effects because at the time that they were releasing the energy the network needed it so we know it's doable we know it's possible we know the technology's there bring it on Mm. Uh, absolutely no no it's um
1: yeah so look i'm 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 taking this as good news um from the efforts from the victorian government to do this so um absolutely so um um, although i've got to say the discussion paper probably could have focused a little bit more on these alternatives rather than just sort of Saying that the problem was kind of you know rooftop, so anyway, look, let's hope for a good outcome on that one. Um, Nigel, your second electric bike story
2: oh, a really simple one, but kind of one of those little nice stories. Uh, I actually had to take the Harley live wire in for a service, uh, and it went in today took it in this morning and um, I've done uh, almost 10,000 Ks on the bike uh, in the, oh, I don't know, six months or so that I've owned it. Um, and uh, it was due for, it, it had a first service at about a thousand Ks just to check everything, nothing had come loose, which was done before I got the bike. And uh, it was due for another um, at about 8,000. So I took it in today. And uh, had a great chat, actually, with the service guys and with one of the sales team. And then um, just happened to be there when the mechanic brought it back in. So had a chat to him. Um, and I'd, there are a couple of things that I'd ask him just to have a look at and check. And, you know, one of them, for example, was there is a little gear drive in off the motor that, that has a helical gear that drives to the belt. And I said, oh, look, you know, it's it's making a little bit more noise than it was when I got it. Um, Could you have a look at it? Could you just check if it needs an oil change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And he said, oh, yeah, no, I looked at that. Uh, you don't need an oil change. They change it at 1,000 kilometres. Then you don't need it changed again to 24,000 k's. So um, you're good to go for several years on on, on on that. Uh, So there's no service required there. And I said, oh, Okay. Uh, uh, what else did it need? And he said, eh, I put some air in your front tire. Uh, you could swap your fluids. Uh, they wanted to wash it for me because it was filthy because it's been raining. So it was really dirty. But outside of that, I was in and out of an, in an hour, uh, a bit over an hour by the time they messed around. And um, the service guy sort of printed the invoice out and went to pass it to me and then stopped and paused and looked at it again and went, Oh, and passed it to me and it was 300 bucks um, for an hour and a half or so. And you know, some um, bits and pieces and consumables and labor and everything else. And I said, Oh, 300 bucks. Terrific. That's, 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 that's a nice service cost. He said, you wouldn't believe how much a normal Harley costs. It's a lot more than 300 bucks for an eight, for, for a 8,000 K service. So you should be loving that sick. And I said, well, I am. And he said, of course you've got no fuel cost. Everyone is coming in complaining about fuel costs. So yet again, Uh, the benefits of electric vehicles come home to roost whether it's a car or a bike you know servicing costs are very very low and um, so that made me smile. One of the good things about owning a Tesla Model 3 is that in the few times I've had to take
1: it in to sort of um, you know get something changed or sort of a damaged um, windscreen or um, or something like that you take them in and um, there is no oil there is no smell of any petrol or any fossil fuels or anything like that you take them into the workshop there it is clean everyone's walking around in clean clothes there's no gunning motors um it's just it's just the most remarkable thing be a lovely place for a mechanic to work and actually just talking to them as just say it's just like such a change it is such and
2: such a change so um yeah quite remarkable that's right i mean i mean service servicing the live wire is simply a matter of you know plugging a computer in checking the logs seeing if the firmware is up to date and then it's um you know brake pads tires belt tension couple of other basic, very, very basic, simple things to do. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a huge advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Nigel, I think we've um, probably come to a natural conclusion of
1: um, this week's episode. So um, I think we might as well wrap it up there. Yeah, absolutely. So, look... um, Good luck, like everyone. Heads up, everyone. Heads up, everyone. Um, the future is looking a lot brighter than it was before, despite all the. Oh, look, you know, we sh- probably should make mention of the continued headwinds of sort of um, supply constraints and um, increased prices and stuff like that. And somebody must be getting squeezed somewhere on the lines um, about you know just with uh, getting the uh, modules at the door um, and um, incoming supplies and things like that. So. Um, I think there's a few issues there, um, and price has gone up. I think the Tesla battery has gone up um, again. again, again. Yes, yep. yeah, so it has, prices yeah. Prices are rising. But anyway, Nigel, look, um, look out for great solar business forecast. Um, forecast, great solar business podcast next week, um, also the Energy Insiders podcast, I think later on this week we're going to be in- interviewing Adam Bant, the Greens leader, um, so that could be interesting, and um, we've got another good one coming up for the Driven Podcast but like Nigel, um, I'm not going to reveal who it is just yet. Anyway Nigel, thanks for joining again today, and thanks to all our sponsors Clean Energy Sunwears, and Solar Analytics and we'll be back again in a fortnight Nigel will be back next week with Great solar Business. Bye for now.
0: Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. Offering a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers, Sunwiz will help you differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation. Visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware is required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au